from heaven. God purge us. God saturate us. God fill us for your glory. Let healing manifest in this place. Let freedom and liberty manifest in this place. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, open up your mouth and give God a praise if you can. Oh, come on, give him a mighty shout. Hallelujah. Come on, give him the glory. Come on, give him. I got a shout. Come on, give him the glory. Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. And amen. Glory to God. Can you clap your hands for the worship on this morning? Hallelujah. Give God the praise in this place. Hallelujah. As Gabby was singing, she that song that said, I will not let the rocks cry out. I won't let the rocks cry out. You know, if you won't give God the glory, God will give a voice to rocks. Y'all missed that. Sound like I'm in a tongue. Uh, uh, He said, I won't allow the rocks to cry out. If, If you won't give God the praise... Then God will give rocks the voice to praise him. He'll, he'll actually put lips on rocks. And give rocks a vocal cord. He'll give rocks lungs to breathe in the air to give him the praise. He said, I won't allow the rocks to cry. In other words, uh, as the scripture says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Okay, so Yahweh, you know it's impossible for you to say Yahweh without taking a breath. <laughs> Every time you say Yahweh, you have to, you have to breathe. And, and Yahweh simply means the breath of God. <laughs> so every time that you go, <gasps> you're saying God's name, Yahweh. That's why it says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Even atheists are already confessing the Lord. Every time they go. (gasps) Everything that had breath. Every time they go. (gasps) They send the glory of God. Yahweh. I won't let the rocks cry out. Come on, give the Lord another hand clap of praise if you would. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, for those of you who are here for the first, second, or even third or reoccurring time, shall I say, amen, do, do me a favor. Uh, just wave at me one more time. Let me see you in the building. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Amen. For those of you who have been coming and coming and coming and not yet joined, today is your day. I'll say it again. Today is your day. To connect with this ministry, I believe God has you coming back for a purpose. Amen. So today, fulfill that purpose. When the invitation is extended to you, go ahead and accept the invitation. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to the word of God this morning. I'm going to forgo our faith declaration on this morning. We're going to jump right into the word of God. Of course, as you know, as we're in preparation 
in preparation for our 10th year anniversary. Uh, we have all month long been honoring and supporting businesses that are part of Elevate Church. And so uh, God has been giving messages that coincide with these businesses. And on today, well, all month long, we have been celebrating Erica Press. Uh, she is an author, amen, and a poetess. And she's in the foyer, so at the end of service, I ask that you go and support her. Amen. So one of her books is Poetic Testimonies. Amen. So grab it today. It's testimonies of her life through uh, poetry, and it's going to be a blessing to your life. If you are not into poetry, buy it for someone who is related to you or someone you know. But be a blessing to her on today. So stand to your feet. We're going to go to the word of the Lord on today. We're going to start in First Timothy. Uh, well, grab First Timothy, chapter number one, verse number seventeen. Hold your finger there, then jump over to First Chronicles twenty nine and eleven. We're going to actually start there and come back to First Timothy. <clears throat> First Chronicles twenty nine eleven. If you have it, say I have it. If you're still looking, say I'm looking. They already put it up there. Amen. Y'all was waiting for that, huh? That's why y'all was kind of quiet. I have it. No, you don't. You got it up on the screen. Amen. Somebody shout whoop, there it is. First Chronicles chapter number 29, verse number 11 says, Yours, Lord, is the greatest, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. I want to read that again. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you belong to him. They didn't believe you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you belong to him. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. Head over. Jump, jump over to 1 Timothy, verse number 1, verse 17. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. Somebody shout the only God. Be honor and glory. Ha, double shot. Ha, to the one and true only God. Be honor and glory forever. And ever, just on Sundays, y'all, just on Mondays, just once a year. No, the glory belongs to him for ever. Father, we thank you. And God, we give you the glory, which is due to you and you alone. No other God does it belong to. So God, we bless you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. On your way to your seat, slap high five with your neighbor and say the glory belongs to him. glory belongs to him. The glory belongs to him. I want to take my time, but be very quick in this fashion. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord and talk to you from the thought, poetic justice, the testimony of saints. Poetic justice, the testimony of saints. I've read through this book a couple times that 
Sister Erica has written in prophetic testimonies. It's something about a testimony and the power of a testimony. Uh, just the fact that you're here today is a testimony of God's glory. Okay, y'all didn't catch that. Just the mere fact that you made it to 915 service, just the fact that you woke up this morning is a testimony of God's glory. The mere fact that you're able to sit here and to hear what I am saying to you without an interpreter, without someone sign languaging to you, is a testimony to the glory of God. The fact that you're able to inhale and exhale, no matter how difficult it may be with your asthmatic self, uh, it is a testimony of the glory of God. Because you're still here. Somebody shout, I'm still here. And there's a power in the testimony that speaks well of God. And whether you choose or choose not to, to exalt his name through your testimony, the fact that you're walking around here testifies of him. Uh, so often we, we look at the word of God and we view the word of God and we're waiting for the manifestation of that word in our lives because we're believing God for some things. I know I'm not the only one in this place today that's believing God for some things. Uh, I'm, I'm believing God for greater, more than what I have now. I'm, I'm believing God for, for increase more than what I have now. And, and, and that's not just monetary. I, I want more joy, more happiness, more peace. Y'all not saying that. You know, I, I want more than what I have now. And it's okay for you to want more from God. Hallelujah. I got two witnesses in the house. Matter of fact, God wants more for you than you want it for yourself. He wants you to have more. Matter of fact, it's a necessity that you have more because it's out of the more, the more you can do. Okay, let me get back to the book then. It it says you're blessed to be a blessing. Well, how can you bless someone if you yourself are not blessed? How can you be the lender and not a borrower when you have to borrow for yourself? So God doesn't mind you having more because it's with more you can do more. How can you give someone comfort when you have not yet been comforted yourself? How can you give someone joy or be uh, an encourager if you yourself are not encouraged? So God wants you to have more. Somebody shout more. And there are believers' views that we have when it comes down to the Word of God. And these three views, watch what I'm saying here. The believers' views, we normally think about when we read the Bible and what Jesus has done here in the earth realm, we focus on what Jesus did, on what he did. We see the miracles, the signs, and the wonders, and we put more focus on what he did. We, we, we see the dead being raised, and uh, we shout on that. We see the blinded eye open, and we shout on that. We see the fish and the five loaves multiplied, and we shout on that. And we put preeminence and focus on what he did. Here's another view. We, we, we have, as a believer view, we, uh, how he did it. We, we focus on how Jesus manifested these miracles. To one man, he simply sends the word and his servant is healed. 
one man, he, he touches his eyes and his eyes are now opened. Another man, he spits on his tongue. Somebody shout, ugh. The man couldn't speak and Jesus spits on the man's tongue and the man now begins to speak. So we focus on uh, what he did and how he did. But, but here's a view that I want to take you on today that's probably the most important view why he did it. We, we, we never focus on the why. Somebody shout why. I'm glad you asked. Uh, because the why is the premise. It is the basis of which things are done. And if we don't understand the why, the what and how has no relevance. You got to understand the why. Tell your neighbor you got to understand the why. The why is more important than anything. And I want to submit to you this morning, if you can understand your why for life, then you can understand the purpose of which you're living. When you can understand your why, then you'll know why you get up every morning and go to your job. When you understand your why, you'll understand why you married to this man or that woman. When you understand your why, that's where your sense of purpose and your sense of fulfillment comes into play. So many people die without understanding the why. They spend their whole life searching through stuff and people and things looking for the why. They even join church because of the what and the how, but not really knowing the why. They join organizations because of the what, what they can do for me, the type of influence I can have for being a part of this organization. I like what they do in the community and how they serve and and all of these things. I like how they do church, the music and, and the praise and worship. I love all of those things. But what's more important is, why? Why are you here today? Why did you come to church? Why did you get dressed when the bed was so comfortable? When those sheets were just the right temperature? You know, sometimes it takes you all night long just to get that bed warmed up just right. It takes you all night long just to get that right position in bed. And then the alarm clock goes off. Y'all know. Maybe I'm just talking about myself because, boy, I was in that bed this morning. The alarm clock like snooze. And it went off again, snooze. Lady T said, you know it's almost 9 o'clock. I said, God, Jesus, can you hold back the time? But, but when there's a why, that why becomes bigger than anything. Because when you understand the why, then the how and the what is now just part of the process of the fulfillment of the why. And when you now know the why, you don't have to chase after stuff. Stuff chases after you. Ah, When you really understand the why, you don't have to chase after the bag. The bag is chasing after you. Because when you understand the why, the why now is the fulfillment of the purpose, the plan, and the destiny that God has for your life. And when you're chasing after the why, you don't have to look back at the what and the how. You're just pursuing after why God has you in this place. Why was I born at this time? I could have been born Two decades ago, but God birthed me in the earth ram at this moment, at this time. 
Why was I born in the family that I was born? I know they're hateful, spiteful, and there are some backstabbers and liars and some persecutors, persecutors and ridiculers and all of that. But why did God put me in that family? There's a why. Why did you marry the person that you married? There's a why to everything. And you have to figure out the why. And so often we look at what Jesus did, but we have to understand why he did it. Let's go. In the Gospel of John, chapter number 9, it gives an account that Jesus manifests a miracle in a man's life. Let's start in verse number 6, and then I'll come back to verse number 1. But in the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verse number 6, it begins with this. It says, after saying this, he spit on the ground, and he made mud with saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Oh, my God. Can you imagine being blind from birth and you're pursuing after a miracle? And here it is. Jesus comes up and he says, I'm going to heal you today. And you're like, yes, I want to be healed. Give it to me. And that's all you hear because you can't see is. (laughs) Sounds pretty nasty, huh? I saw the day to do a Mike Todd, but I said, no, that'd be too nasty. No, we're not going to do that. But, but, but you, you, you can't see, but you can hear. Well, that's, that's, that's a point right there. Because here it is, sometimes in life, when you're looking for a miracle, it may not come the way you want it. You may not be able to see it manifest, but there is a sound. Can I tell somebody something today? Your miracle has a sound to it. Your breakthrough and your blessing has a sound. But the question is, is are you trying to see it when he is saying to you, I want you to hear it? And some of y'all are waiting on some stuff to manifest with your eyes when God says, I'm going to make sure it happens first in your ears. This man just hears this sound. That's probably okay if I was blind. I said, okay, well, maybe he had to let me clear my throat. You know, maybe he's about to say something to me. So maybe, maybe he had to clear a little something out of his chest. But the next thing that happens is, is after the sound, he has a feeling. A mixture of mud and spit. Now, now saliva has some healing properties. Uh, it, it, late in Africa, they used to use saliva because saliva has antibacterial agents on the inside of it. Okay, maybe I went too deep for y'all. Uh, they would use saliva because saliva has minerals on the inside of it that causes bacteria to break up. Somebody shout, he's a physician. Oh, he's the good physician. Jesus knew how he's a pharmacist. He knew how to take chemical ingredients and put them all together to make for, for to make form a balm in Gilead, a healing anointing or ointment, shall I say. And he spit on the ground and he made mud with saliva and put it in the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Salam, which means scent in the pool of salam I I looked up in the Greek in the Hebrew the word salam 
and it's shalah. And it's, it's to send, to stretch out, to extend, or to direct. And number three says, it says, to send away. But I love number four of Salam. It says, to let loose. Oh, this, this is good here because some of you today are waiting on a miracle, but you have not yet let loose. That's some stuff you're still holding on to. And God says, I need you to go wash in the pool of Salaam. I need you to go and send you to a place where you can let some stuff loose. So uh, my proverbial question back to you again is, why are you here today? Why did you darken the doors of Elevate Church at 10957 Greenwell Springs Road today? Why did you come? Somebody ought to shout to lose something. I came to lose some things because some things are holding me bound. Some things are getting me tied up and wrapped up and tangled up. I can't move forward because I got too much anchoring me down. Got to lose something. Church is more than you just coming to get your shout and your praise on. Church is for you to lose some things so that now you'll be free to run after some things. Uh, Paul said, I press towards the mark, but in order to press, I got to let loose some stuff first. He said that don't don't let those things that uh, that like weigh you down like sin that so easily beset you. Those little small things, those little small snares that hold you down and keep you bound when God is trying to get you to go here, but you're stagnant and stuck there trying to get you to another place, but you hadn't let loose of anything. Oh, yeah, I know you've been saved. I know you sing in the choir. I know you work the front door. But have you lose something? Are you free? Are you still held bound? Are you still blinded by the things that have caused you to miss out on the blessings of God? Has life hit you in such a way? To where you can't see the glory of God because you're still focused on the things that has happened unto you. And he says to this blind man, go and wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. I need you to lose some things first before I release some things. Y'all missed that right there. He said, I need to lose some things in your life before I release some things in your life. So he tells the man, go and wash yourself in the pool of Salaam. So the man went and washed. And he came home seeing. Now remember this man was blind from birth. Never seen before a day in his life. Verse number 8 says his neighbors and those who were formerly seeing him begging asked. Is this the same man who used to sit and beg? Verse number 9. Some claimed that he was. Others said no. He only looks like him. My God the miracle will make you look like something else. God. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Somebody shout, I am the one. How then were your eyes open, they asked. And he replied, the man they called Jesus. Made some mud and put it on. You know, here's a testimony. He left that part out about the spit, y'all. I just noticed that as I was reading it. He just said, put mud on my eyes. He, he, some of y'all would probably left that out too. I know I would have. The man called Jesus put mud, some mud on my eyes. And he told me to go to the salon and wash. 
So I went and I washed. I can't get over that, y'all. Amen. So I went and I washed. <laughs> then I could see. Can I tell you something? Everything God did, he did with a purpose. Everything God did, he did with a purpose. And we'll find what the purpose is in verse number one. Here it is. As he went along, he saw a man starting in John chapter 9, verse number 1. Here's the purpose of which he did it. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Because the Jews believed that in their time, that whenever the parents had sinned, that it brought a generational curse upon the family, and that their sins would be passed on to generation after generation and after generation. So they asked this question to Jesus, who sinned? Was this this man's sins or was it his parents' sins that he was born blind? Look at Jesus' response. He says, neither this man nor his parents' sin, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God may be displayed in him. One translation, so the glory of God can be revealed in him. The purpose of which this is taking place is not so much the fact that the man is blind, that there's a curse on his family, but the fact that this is taking place and the why behind all of this, watch this, God says, so that my works may be revealed. Some of you today, what God's going to do in your life is just going to be a testimony of who God is. It, it won't have nothing to do with you coming out of, out of a great debt. It won't have nothing to do with you being healed from stage four cancer. What it has everything to do with is God getting the glory. Everything to do with God getting the glory from the healing manifesting in your life. This is the why of which Jesus came into the earth realm. This is the why of which Jesus was birthed. Watch, to manifest the glory of God so that the testimony of God can live in the earth realm. Verse number four, it says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. Night is coming. When no man can give me glory. Night is coming where it's going to be too late now to live out the testimony of God in the earth realm. And he says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus is trying to shed light so that his father can be glorified in the lives of his people. Now, here's the thing about a testimony. Number one about a testimony is... A testimony can be problematic. A testimony can be problematic. What what do you mean problematic, apostle? A testimony can cause problems in your life. I know a lot of guys who work in the plant got new trucks and new boats and new cars. And they leave them at the house because they don't want nobody to know what they're driving. For the fear that if they drive that new car to work, they may cut their hours or cut their pay. Some of y'all got new vehicles you won't even drive, but on the weekends, because you don't know, want your coworkers to know that God has blessed you with a new vehicle. So, some of y'all got new houses, and you have yet to invite family members over. I know I understand. I won't invite some of them over either. But, you, you know, because you don't want them to see what God is doing in your life. 
Some of y'all got some tremendous testimonies and you dare to share because of the problems that's going to occur when you begin to share it. Testimony can be problematic. You know why? Because it also shed light of what God is doing in your life and it'll put a light on you for them to see. It can be problematic because now the scrutiny. <laughs> How did you get that? Who did you sleep with to get in that position? Y'all quiet up in here. Uh, uh, uh. Who, who's your family member? Who you related to? How you got that job? How, how did you get that car? How did you get that house? You know, it becomes problematic because as you begin to share the scrutiny of the people, scrutinizing your testimony, start digging in your past, looking up your credit report. You can't afford that. Baby, it's the favor of God. I sure can't afford it. It's just God. And so it can be problematic when you begin to share your testimony. So, so uh, it's a tough thing when God begins to bless you because of the problems that come along with you. So here it is. It's problematic that this man who is blind from birth is problematic because everybody is questioning the fact of how this blind man who was once blind now sees. Here's another thing with the testimony. It goes against policies. Because the doctors say that you should not recover from this sickness. And all the medical report says that you shall not recover, but yet you recover. This blind man who was blind from birth, it goes against the policies of which at that time for this man to be healed. Uh, because here it is, Jesus is declaring himself to be a physician. And here it is, he is healing a man. Watch this, they consider uh, to be a sinner. Who sinned, this man or his parents? But Jesus goes against the policies because here it is. He wants the healing for the man better than the man wants the healing for himself. A testimony is meant to be publicized. A testimony is not meant to be hidden, but it's been meant to be publicized. Why? Because it's through the public. Uh, it's through this healing being or miracle being publicized that God gets the glory. Can y'all shout amen? amen. So here it is in, in John chapter number nine, and I'm going to bring it to a close on a couple things. But in John chapter nine, verse number 20, it says, we knew he is our son. Here it is. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are questioning the man's parents. And the parents answered, we knew he was born blind. But how can he see now or who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already had decided that everyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah, then I tell you it was a problem, will be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said he is of age, ask him. A second time, they summons the man. They questioned him once. They're bringing him back in a second time. And the man who had been blind, give glory to God by telling the truth. Hey, God, give glory to God by sharing your testimony. They said, we know this man is a what? Can I drop something on you right quick to hold on to in your peace pipe for a while? 
Don't let your situation define who you are. Don't let your situation place a title on you. Here it is, this man who was blind from birth, that's all they can see him as is a sinner. And he replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know, speaking of Jesus. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Then they ask him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? (laughs) I already told you how good God is. Why y'all keep questioning the goodness of God? I've already told you that he's merciful and gracious and kind and loving. Why do you keep questioning the goodness of my God? If you wouldn't believe it the first time, then why do I have to tell you a second time? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are his follower. You are this follow fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. There they are claiming other religious sectors. And we know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Uh, The man answered, how that is remarkable that you don't know where he comes from. Yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of an opening of the eyes of a man born from blind. This thing had never happened up until this point. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Now, here it is. They said that this man was steeped in sin, but yet he had a testimony. This is some poetic justice from the testimony of a saint. You say I did it. And I probably did. But because of what he did. Yeah, I stole it. Yeah, I smoked it. And drank a whole lot of it. And slept with this one and that one. Yeah, I may have been steeped in sin. But I got a testimony. Ah, y'all missing that. Yeah, yeah, I did some stuff. I did the crime. I did the time. Yes, I pled guilty for it, but he paid the price. I I got a testimony that gives God the glory because, yes, I was a sinner. I once was blind, but now I see. Yes, I once was a sinner, but now I'm redeemed. I got a testimony. I I got a testimony because here it is. You see me one way, but God sees me another. Testimony of a saint. You see, the problem with a lot of us as Christians, we walk around like escapees from prison. Always looking over our shoulders, wondering if we're going to get caught. We we, we walk around like uh, 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 criminals who have been pardoned. 
Yeah, I did the crime, but the governor came and he pardoned me. A, a, a lot of us walk around like, like we're on a parole. <laughs> like we got to check in with folk because of uh, all of our past sins. And we got to go and see our parole officer. That's what some of y'all did this morning. Y'all came to church just to check in with the parole officer. I'm, I mean the pastor. But here's the testimony of a true saint. Not a parolee. Not an escapee. Not a person who has been pardoned. But here's the testimony of a saint. It's one who has been exonerated. Oh, God, I see some of y'all don't know Webster. Uh, Exoneration says that, yes, I did the crime. Yes, they locked me up. Yes, I've been in jail, but I've been exonerated from it. Exoneration means that it has been wiped clean, that the slate is clean. The crime that I did, there is no record. There is no record of the crime. I have been exonerated. Yes, I'm guilty for it, but the blood of Jesus washed the record clean. The blood of Jesus washed me and wiped me clean. Yes, it was a sin, but the blood washed it away. You're talking about poetic justice. Because Satan bamboozled you, hoodwinked you, led your muck and ran you astray. Yeah, you got caught up in it, that adultery. You got caught up in that affair. Yes, you've done some things. Satan led you astray. But because of what Jesus done, he came looking for you to wash you and to cleanse you and to exonerate you. But today, the why behind it is, is that God can get the glory. So that God can get the glory. Had you known all the hell you had to go through, you probably would have took another route. But God says, I'm going to use that so that my glory could be manifested even the greater. Some of you today, you're parolees in this place. Thinking you got to check in because of the sin you committed. But you've been set free. So I want to talk to you first. Those of you here today, the guilt and the condemnation for all that you have done. Some of you couldn't even worship God through this worship experience. Because you kept reflecting on all of the things and the wrongs you've done. Some of you in here today, you're hoping that the prophetic spirit doesn't awaken, doesn't quicken in this house. That the word of the Lord will peer into your house. And to speak of all that you have done. So for the parolees in the house, I want to speak to you first. Not only does he want to wash you and cleanse you from all of your sins and unrighteousness, but he wants to wash your mind, your consciousness, so that you don't hold guilt and condemnation and beat yourself up for the sins you have committed. Then I want to talk to those of you, those of you who have been pardoned, been freed, but you've been systemized by the system. You've come out of jail, but you still have jail-like mentality. You, you still have jail-like ideologies. You, you, you can't function in society 
no more because you're used to three hots in the cot. You're used to people telling you when to wake up and when to go to sleep and when you can go out into the, into the yard and, and, and have some recreational activities. You can't function outside of that. That's why some of you are church junkies because you, you just got to have somebody tell you what to do. Religious folk. I got to have somebody control and dictate my life. Tell me what to wear and what I can't wear and how to wear it. How to cut my hair or even if I should cut it at all. Should I wear my dress this long or that long? Y'all quiet. God is coming to set you free today. There's poetic justice waiting to prevail in your life. So with your heads bowed today. We're going to set you free by the power of the Holy Ghost. Like this man, he was blind from birth. Some of you think this generational curse that has come upon your family is your lot. You think it's your portion. It's not your portion. It is God's will for you to be healed. It is his will. You think this sickness and this disease is unto death. It is God's will that you live and not die. And declare the glorious works of the Lord. But it starts with this. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. He's here to introduce himself unto you. You hadn't accepted him in the pardon of your sins. This is your moment to do so. Maybe you have and you're backslidden. He's coming after you today as well. He's married to the backslider. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's looking for you today. If that's you, I'm going to pray, after which I want you to make a decision so that poetic justice can prevail in this place. Father, now in the name of Jesus, for each of those, God, who have come into this place, minds are riddled with past sins and there's condemnation and guilt that has come upon them. Send forth, Lord God, your fire to purge their thoughts and their conscience. They won't be sin conscious, but they'll be righteous conscious. They will think only of things that are righteous, God. They will think on the things that you have done to make them righteous. So, Father, today, move upon their hearts. Do it now in the name of Jesus. If that's you today, you have not accepted Jesus Christ in the pardon of your sins, or maybe you're backslidden, but today you want to get it right. You want to make that your testimony on today. If that's you, just simply slip your hand in the air. Thank you, Father. Saints are praying. We're praying for those. If that's you today, you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, simply slip your hand in the air. Thank you, Father God. We bless you, God. We thank you. And God, we give you the glory. I make one last appeal to you today. Maybe you don't have a church home and you came in this place and the Spirit of the Lord was tugging on your heart, uh, drawing you in to connect with Elevate Church. If that's you today, looking for a church home, you felt the power and the presence of God in this place. He's calling you today. If that's you, would you slip your hand in there? Thank you, Father. God, we bless you. God, we give you glory. And God, we give you the praise. Come on, clap your hands and give God some glory in this house. Come on, you can do better now. Give God some glory in this place. God, we thank you. God, we give you glory. Hey, listen, for our first-time guests, for those of you who are here today, I'm going to be outside this door, my left, your right. 
uh, of the sanctuary. I'd love to meet you, greet you, and shake your hand as we make way for our 1115 service on today. For those of you who want to go out and support Sister Erica by purchasing one of her books, you can do so by going uh, out the rear of the sanctuary into the foyer. But for everyone else, uh, I would ask that you would exit outside of the doors, my left, your right, and the doors, my right, your left on this side so we can make way for our 915 service. God bless you and God keep you as my prayer. Father, now in the name of Jesus, as we leave from this place,